Good afternoon and welcome to those of you listening in London, Hamilton, Toronto on 980 CFPL, 900 CHML and 640 Toronto. They were uh, turning up the heat in the California desert as, yes, Coachella Coachella wrapped up its uh, first uh, weekend back after uh, being shelved for both the 2020 and 2021. And here is our music expert, Eric Helper. He joins us now with all of the details. Hey, Eric, good afternoon. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. You know, it's no surprise about the snow because I just got my snow tires taken off on Friday. So anybody just could have right. asked me what the weather was going to be like in 72 <laughs> hours because it would have All been, right. of course, snow. Yeah. We got somebody to hang the blame on then. Good. Yeah, right, uh... Exactly. Blame it on me. But, you know, it was like 28 degrees and sunny in, in Coachella. So that's kind of nice for Canadian art. Because it seemed like it was a Canadian takeover this weekend you had bad bad not good you had carly ray jepson you had daniel caesar appearing on stage with justin bieber you had arcade fire making a surprise appearance and of course some guy named the weekend headlining taking over for kanye west so you know good on the canadian side for just completely dominating that festival well, no kidding. Tons of Canadian content uh, this weekend. And also, we should mention uh, Shania, Shania Twain, who joined uh, Harry Styles on stage to open things up back on Friday. The hottest, I think, male artist right now um, and or soon to be, um, because look, Harry Styles' brand new album, Harry's House, comes out in the next couple of months and it is going to debut at number one around the world. And he hasn't lost a step because basically he's been on tour for the love on tour run um, across the U.S. and Canada and uh, around the world um, for since probably 2019. I mean, he's been going to wherever he can and performing there. So he's right on target when it comes to um, an artist at the top of his game. And he introduced um, and nobody knew. I mean, Coachella is a place where you can go and reveal stuff. And you know that you're going to make worldwide headlines. So that's where right. you end up with people like Stevie Nicks appearing on stage as a surprise guest or a hologram of Tupac. I mean, it makes headlines around the world. And so Harry Styles started off saying that this lady taught me to sing. She also taught me that men are trash. And he brought out Shania Twain and they performed, man, I feel like a woman and you're still the one, which is you know, look, no slight to Shania Twain. It would be the last person I think would appear on Coachella, which makes Coachella so right. great. The fact that you can bring somebody out like that and have the entire, you know, mile long and wide crowd of a couple hundred thousand people lose their minds. Yeah, well, when this started showing up in my feed on Saturday, that's exactly what I thought. Shania Twain, last person I would expect to be at Coachella. But again, as you say, Eric, this is what makes this festival so great, so good. And do we know kind of the connection between Harry Styles and Shania Twain? Because there seems to be a lot of love and a lot of admiration uh, between the two of them. And is it just as simple as you uh, stated that uh, Harry said that uh, I kind of grew up on her music and as he, I guess, reached out in the past and they formed some sort of bond? That's exactly what happened. You know, he talked about that in the car. His mother um, would play a lot of her music and pro probably, you know, the, the album Come On Over, which sold like 32 million copies around the world. And it's still, you know, the single biggest country album ever, ever made, really. Um, and and it's, it's weird to hear that because 
you and I think Shania Twain, well, you know, we're not that old. That wasn't that long ago. But right. when Coachella started in 1999, I bet you there were a lot of people in the audience who weren't even born by the time that the festival started. And so the same thing with Shania Twain, when she was selling tens of millions of copies around the world in the early 90s of like 1990 to 1996, uh, that's... You know, that's a generation ago, you know, that's a 20, 25 years ago, um, in, in some cases before her career. So there's a lot of people who weren't around when she was huge, but maybe they just know her because she just kept being popular. They saw all these country artists and pop artists um, bow at the feet of people like Shania Twain for making pop and country so manageable and and um, and happily merging them together. Yeah, and I'm guessing a lot in attendance, probably just like Harry Styles himself, grew up uh, through their parents on Shania Twain's uh, music. And we should mention this uh, festival, by the way, it draws roughly 125,000 people a day. And can you kind of yeah. give us the backstory on uh, Coachella? Because uh, this grew, as I understand it, out of a Pearl Jam concert way back in the early 90s, Eric. Uh, the band, the first to kind of play on that site while they were busy boycotting venues famously controlled by Ticketmaster. And it just sort of grew out of that. That's exactly what happened. You know, a lot of these festivals that we hear about in the U.S. and the U.K., um, Nebworth, Coachella, they they all started off very, very small Um with with very kind of basic ideas with Pearl Jam, um, for people who who remember or may not, they were in a very big battle with Ticketmaster because they didn't want to use Ticketmaster for their latest tour for the album Versus um, back in the early '90s, and they felt that they were uh, that Ticketmaster was kind of controlling. Um, all of the competition because they were charging a little bit high fees in, according to them they were controlling how many seats went to various people and so forth so they started their own festival and that led to Coachella and and a number of others around the world like uh Dave Matthews started his own festival that is now huge and Nebworth was in the UK it was just you know like most things like Woodstock it's kind of starts on a farm with you know maybe seven or eight acts that are easily affordable and just grows and grows and grows and now it's 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 a hundred million dollar business um when you're talking about coachella i mean the artists like harry styles billy eilish the weekend um they're probably commanding anywhere between eight and 15 million dollars for a 40 minute performance because that's what they can get when you mm. control um that that big of a festival scene there's a lot of people in america who only go to one festival and it's coachella and so you mm -hmm. have to make it big you have to get the biggest stars and the biggest artists i mean obviously there certainly are big music festivals right around the world but what is it about coachella why has it grown into what it is today that uh, you're absolutely right uh, if you do something on stage at coachella you're going to make worldwide headlines that weekend the last couple of years, especially thanks to Instagram, it's really making Coachella into the place to be seen, the place to be heard, uh, and the place to to post where you're at. Um, they did something a number of years ago where they were flying in all these influencers and really good looking actors and actresses and other people um, from the fashion world to come and live it up. Uh, kind of like the uh, fire festival, but in a really good way. Um, and uh, that kind of led to this whole, you know, fear of missing out factor that teenagers 
kept seeing on social media, they felt bad that they weren't at Coachella. Look at all the amazing, good-looking people having so much fun. I want to be a part of that too. And so I'm going to go. And that kind of begat, begat, begat all these different influences and different um, different ideas of, of who should be attending. You have a South Korean girl group in 2NE1 that reformed this weekend. You have Anita, who is a Brazilian dance hall queen. You had Grupo Firme, who is the, the big Mexicano sensation. You have Carol G from Reggaeton. You have all these different kinds of music, and thus they're bringing in their own crowd. So it just becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. All right, here with Eric Alper. Eric, before we run out of time in other music news, also wanted to mention this made some headlines late last week. Kurt Cobain's 1969 Fender Mustang guitar, the one seen in, yes, that video, smells like teen spirit. It's going up for auction? Yeah, it is going up for auction. And I think that if you and I decided to put our money together, um, we could actually afford maybe one string of that guitar. But, <laughs> you know, it, it's expected to to go for minimum is something in the neighborhood of $800,000. But it's a very rare Fender guitar um, that is seen in the video that he actually used a lot of, of time on. Um, his unplugged guitar that he played in the MTV Unplugged show went for $6 million. This could easily double it if yeah. the chances are right. But um, it's a it's a pretty snazzy blue guitar. But if uh, you've got $12 million and you have a little bit of money left over from going to Coachella on your private jet, this might be <laughs> the auction to go for for you. Yeah, because I thought uh, the estimate's way too low as well, at 800000 But you think it could reach uh, double digits, like $10 million or more? Oh, easily, easily. I, I think that there's a lot of these tech guys who aren't necessarily putting it in the um, in in a hard rock cafe um, display cases anymore. I think a lot of it is ego. I mean, it's like everything else. You know, you you have multi million dollar artists can still commanding that kind of money because they can, and also because their ego consists of it. So when you hear of somebody buying a guitar for eight million dollars it's kind of only natural that you want to be the next one to break that record. And, you know, when you're playing with that much money, what's another $4 million? Sure. Okay. What do you do with it though? If you buy it for say 12 million, do you have it just you, downstairs in the basement and every once yeah, in a while you just yeah, start you, going, you, you, ding, yeah, ding, you point at ding, it ding, and, you, ding, and, ding, and you watch it. Ding, ding. <laughs> yeah. And, and you, you just point and you say, you know, don't touch, like don't yeah. even look at it. You know, yeah. <laughs> Eric pleasure as always. Thanks so much for doing this on a Monday. We'll talk again. Excellent. Thanks for having me. We'll talk soon. You bet. Eric Elper, music expert with us. And we're back after a quick break. Stay with us. You're listening to The Jeff MacArthur Show. Hi, it's Shauna. And I might be a bad parent because my kids think French fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan. And I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone. Like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.